Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Oh, good evening everyone and welcome to the Really 007 podcast for yet another look into the extensive James Bond songbook. I think we're on our fifth at the moment and and counting. That's joke, that joke's been done a few times. <laughs> anyway, tonight we are really looking forward to looking at some of the less obvious songs. I say that, I mean we have looked at things like Jump Up from uh, Licence to Kill. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> Underrated bot. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Wedding party. Yeah, so oh. we are available on iTunes and Spotify, as well as um, video interviews now and specials on YouTube. So go check out the YouTube channel. We're also on all social media platforms, uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where we produce regular updates, the odd um, anecdote, the odd, the odd funny. Tonight, special shout-outs I'm going to give to <laughs> Steve Corenteng. I hope I've pronounced his name right. He's a yes. he's a, a quality lad. Follow him on Twitter. Follow him on YouTube. And I know I know he's a fellow Dalton lover. So anyone is welcome oh. here who's a Dalton lover. We'll get on to that with our <laughs> guest. I'm, I'm looking forward to quizzing him on that. Anyway, <laughs> we always end talking about Dalton. Anyway. <laughs> Not even introduced yet. Not Don't speak yet. yet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> tonight I am joined by. <laughs> My regulars, Harry Pickup and Mr. John Kell, licensed to Kell. Good evening, chaps. Hello, hello. Good evening. But we've got someone tonight who's going to bring the average age down uh, by quite some distance, I think. A huge Bond fan. It's uh, Mr. Sam Rogers. Aloha. Hello. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Uh, I, I didn't know how to introduce, introduce myself. <laughs> yeah. So I may as well go over Aloha. But no, very happy to be here. I was just saying before to talk about some uh, interesting songs tonight. Um, so I'm very happy to be speaking with yourselves about it. Good lad, Sam. I know this is uh, Sam's debut on the show. 
but he is no uh, stranger to sort of Bond fandom and he's, he's produced quite a few of his own YouTube videos so definitely check out his channel. Just Sam, just explain exactly what, what you've done with some of those those videos. So really it goes back to a number of years where I um, you know, had the James Bond DVDs and saw that they were um, in the special features they would have opening titles without the credits which to me just seemed like you know, the, the, the best thing to have because you would just imagine a completely different set of people, it, how different it could be um, within those credits. So I think when I was around 18, I, I created a, a new opening for, on a, not for On Much States, but uh, for Diamonds Are Forever, where it had the pre-title pre sequence um, being Tracy's death, and then George Lazenby still in the role, and then Ilsa Steppart um, as Emma Bunch, she would be in the title sequence, Telly Savalas would be there. So I did that when I was 18, um, and that was literally just to, to share with one person, to just be like, oh, look at this, wouldn't that, that be fun? And then I dug it up, I think, last year, and just decided, oh, I've, I really want to make that better. So um, I went and did it, and it did turn out better, thankfully. It could have been even better. Um, but... Um, Yes, once that happened and that got a good response, I thought I would try it with others because I, I did try uh, with other title sequences again years ago, but I never made them public or I didn't save them properly. So yeah, that's really how that you know came about, and you know it's just had good response. It's a fun thing to do. Um, I do it as and when, and I, can, I either just choose to keep the all everything the same, but just switch the music, or just do like a what if. Uh, someone was Bond for this film or what if you know this uh, actor or actress uh, portrayed the, these characters that's what I went along with for the recent uh, GoldenEye opening with Dalton and to have those oh. alternate those alternate uh, cast members I was like Sean Bean seems a bit young for, for, for Dalton so let's put Liam Neeson in there seeing as he was in talk so he'll he'll be Alec Trevelyan and then um, I'll keep I'll switch out Joe John Baker for David Hedison uh, because it make, would make more sense, and we'll keep Judy Dent oh as M. <laughs> we'll keep Judy. We'll keep Judy Dent as M, yeah. but we'll have Robert Brown and oh my, I can't remember the guy's face. The the the, the character who was in the majority of the Moore films, uh, Freddie so, Gray. Yeah, Freddie Gray. We'll we'll have him and, and Rob, Robert Brown in in that as well. Yeah, yeah, just as as kind of a transition. Oh. Um, so you would have them to see out and um, move into that new era, but then have Judy Dench there, and then give Caroline Bliss a chance. Um, oh, <laughs> and, absolutely. And keep her there, even though it. it yeah. So um. So I. This I so is that dreamy. Was the recent one that I did. That um, is top. So that in, is amazing. In, in that open. <laughs> so in that opening title sequence I was um, I obviously you have the plane ex uh, going past the explosion from uh, the pre-title sequence of Goldeneye and I was almost done with it and I was like God, there is a uh, there is a sequence in License to Kill where Dalton is in a, in a plane that's kind of like that so I'd end up just throwing a shot of him looking out of the plane and then the building exploding just as a last <laughs> oh. thing it doesn't sound great the sound should change when he's in the plane but um i was like you know what let's just do it um oh. let's just throw it in. it looks fun so that is available um on the youtube channel that's amazing probably more to come but um just as and when sam i'm i'm so glad that people like you and people like us exist i think it's just 
That's just exactly what this podcast is for. Yeah. We we didn't know there that's were what you were put on this like planet to do. We really didn't. Yeah, there's so worse things cool. to be put on the planet for. Uh, <laughs> so, so, and if people yeah. enjoy it, then that is the main thing. Um, Sam, can can I, can I put a potential request in? the next one um you can you can put a request in whether or not i have not special treatment or anything just just a suggestion but no, what no, about no, a no. real a reimagining of tomorrow never dies replacing terry hatcher's paris carver with uh carrie lowell oh yeah but see that the, the issue i have with that is that i don't want pam vivier to die i mm. really like I, I wouldn't want oh it's a good pam point to be, to and be you want her to be with elliot carver no, I would rather have um, Cara. I would rather have Cara. I'd rather have Cara in that position. So, she, firstly, she'd be Cara Carver. Um, then she would um, not have that much screen time. And thought yeah, about that's it. it. You thought about it. No, I no. I just thought of that right now. <laughs> now it's very easy for me to uh, come to a decision on Cara. But no, yeah. But no, I could definitely, I could definitely do something uh, with that. Um, I'm, I'm, I like. Um, is it Tomorrow Never Lies? Is it Pulp? Who? Do that. Yeah. Uh, who did that rejected theme song? I'd be happy to switch that in, even though I love uh, Cheryl Crow's "Tomorrow Never Dies." Good. Um, yeah. Good. So yeah, just, yeah. Great. Just job. to ask about your creative process, Sam. Do you think of the ideas first and then get to work finding all the footage that you need, or do you, as you're editing it, do you think, "Oh, I'll throw in him," and "Oh, maybe actually I'll swap him for her," and if you could anything like him. that, or is it all in your head first? Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's probably a, a mix of it actually um, you know like I said about the GoldenEye thing that throwing that clip of Dalton was such a last minute thing it wasn't part of the plan and the majority of the things I do keep the same like I'm not going to say I'm a creative mastermind or anything like that because I literally just have a blank title title sequence and just put in words um, and just change the music occasionally but um, it, it does depend um, I know with, with, with the GoldenEye one more because I, I knew I wanted to switch Dalton in there. I was still going to keep most of the cast the same. I think I was going to keep Caroline Bliss and I think David Hedison. I was going to switch out with Joe Don, ba- Joe Don Baker. But apart from that, I was going to keep the main, the core actors the same. But then I was like, there was a lot of potentially good, you know, casting that uh, didn't happen. So that's why I switched those out. And then I think what was the one where I switched out Pushkin for Mish for. Mishkin. No, no, I switched out Mishkin for Pushkin from Living Daylights <laughs> because I thought that would hit that that would make again tie in again and it would make him dying hit a bit more than Mishkin who we didn't wow. really see. Oh. But again I have to explain that. You could just see the titles, not really see that it's um John Reese Davis's name in there and just go, Oh right, okay. But no, to me it made sense if I was reimagining the film, you would have, you know, David Hedison introducing being not an active CIA member, but just kind of being there to liaise with with Bond and to introduce him to Sukovsky. So it would be after License Kill, obviously. And I think at least if that was the last time you saw Felix, at least it would be I, th- I think a better ending than for License Kill, even though he, even though he's fine in the end of that rather quickly. But um, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, so yeah, I think I, yeah, I kept I kept Robbie Coltrane because I, I really didn't know. There was no reason to switch him out or anything like that. So yeah, um, it really just depends, you know. I, I for the Diamonds Are Forever. Let's just go back to that one really quickly. I, I going to mention that one. Yeah, the direct, That's brilliant. I switched out Guy Hamilton for Peter Hunt, which I didn't originally do um, in the one that I made years ago, um, but decided to do that for for this 
for this version. And just just little subtle things like well not too subtle, but you know, adding Diana Riggs name to the credits um make would make sense with her being in the pre-title sequence and I think it would be one of those like fake out things I would imagine where oh oh she's in she's in the film. Mm. Like, oh is that gonna continue? No, she's obviously fifty years ago you probably wouldn't have an idea that oh she's probably gonna die. Um, in the first few minutes, a bit and like then Steven yeah, having... in uh, executive decision. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but then also also just had adding. Um, is it Ga- Gabrielle? Vis- is it Gabrielle Vesetia or who plays yeah. Draco? Um, yeah, yeah. Just you know, having him as a, as a main starring role, um, because I would see him wanting to get real revenge on Telly Savalas's Blofeld. I almost said bro fell then and I, <laughs> I stopped so. 50 years later, mate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> Very over. Yeah, and then just, you know, I think I even added the actress who played Olymp, uh, Draco's girlfriend, in oh, as yeah, well, yeah. Just, uh, just because I thought that would make sense. So would you say is your um, main drive, like, consistency? You like you like to create consistency across the films. Is that part of your motivation? Partially, yeah. I think it, it definitely de- varies depending on which video it, it is. Um, some some videos, it's completely just for fun. It's just, oh, I'm going to switch this out, like the Moonraker video where I added Kate Bush. That was literally just because I knew that Kate Bush um, Kate was Bush. asked and rejected. And, yeah. <laughs> and, and didn't do it. So I was like, oh, let's just put her... Uh, let's just put a song of hers in there and there was no oh that would you know make sense or anything and there was no switch uh, switches to the cast um it was just oh i'll do that and that was the same for putting uh, easy lover on a view to a kill which i just think that works so well because <laughs> it's such a good song um, and i think it really th- fits the theme and i think if roger moore's last film uh, last bond film had easy lover as the theme song <laughs> it just <laughs> There's a weird irony there for his bond. So um, yeah, so it, it it definitely varies, and it depends on what I want to do. Um, not all title sequences have a blank uh, title sequence for me to use. So I think I, it's either live and let die or man with the golden gun. There's I, there's not one for that, so I can't do that one. Some of the more recent ones, I've it would it's difficult to do as well. So it's just a play it by ear, just see what I fancy doing. Um, I know people have the requests um, as well, which is well, great. Um, but oh, and then uh, <laughs> John, oh my god! <laughs> but yeah, is there a but folder no, yeah. for requests in your inbox? Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm really not that popular to. I think to, it's called to warrant trash. a folder. <laughs> Email Sam Rogers, listeners. All of the all the suggestions. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but no um, so yeah those are the ti- the title sequences I've done over videos as well but I think those have been the the main things that are kind of the consistent thing that will just go on at least for a little while anyway you, you don't just need the technical know-how to do all this you need the sort of brain in order to think where does that go where does this go how on earth can I fit it in and you did a really good one on another Diamonds Are Forever one with like the the oil rig, as if it was uh, you know Dynasty or Dallas, that was superb. With each of the the people being introduced in the opening titles, you know, like spinning around and looking, yeah, superb. That. <laughs> yeah, that was that one. Um, it's a, it's a, it's another podcast who uh, was the inspiration for that. Sorry, but um, we don't mind. I th- it was actually <laughs> we're all we're all it free. Really was, uh, it, <laughs> we all love each other. It's fine. It's all, it's it's all it's all you know positive. It's all the love for Bond. It is all love for Bond. Yeah. It was it was actually a Cal- it was Calvin Dyson who said 
I really want to see, I know, I really want to see, <laughs> I really want to see a, just a TV show of that professor guy and just like, and these characters just on a, on a TV show, like a weekly TV show. And I was like, I feel, I, and I was like, hmm, they're, well, they're on an oil rig and there's the love boat. So let's the just love put boat, that yes, together. Yes. So, yeah, so I was just like, let's just do that. I, I hit, I actually wrote alternate lyrics that I was gonna attempt, <laughs> I was gonna attempt to sing and put over an instrumental, but I didn't do that because I was like, no one needs to hear that. Um, I think I probably do have the lyrics actually. I think I put it in the description for the video, but it was just so random that I was like, oh, you know, I'll just do that. Like, let's we'll just make this thing, and then that's what made me create those other opening uh, titles um, for those. 80s Bond films, so I did that Miami Vice uh, version, the Dynasty version, Dallas, Falcon Crest, and I've not, I've, I've not even seen the majority of those shows, but I was like, oh, that'll <laughs> yeah, work, that'll work for, um, that'll work for 80s Bond. <laughs> so, yeah, I probably can't actually know. I do. So the lyrics for the for the for the yeah, alternate love belt were oil, exciting and new. Come aboard, we're expecting you. Oil, life's sweetest reward. Let it flow, it floats back to you. The oil rig, soon we'll be making another run. The oil rig, world domination for everyone. Set a course with Spectre, your mind on new evil plans. Oil, will hurt anyone when our tankers spill on a friendly shore. Yes, oil, welcome aboard, it's oil. <laughs> Very good. Come Very friendly good. bombs, is not fit for human <laughs> Unbelievable, yeah. I mean, that's far more subtle than half of Don Black's lyrics, I'll be honest yeah, with yeah. you. So. Uh, Bill, Bill Conti's wife. Yeah, Bill Conti, yeah, we'll get to that. Uh, wow. Oh, yeah, blimey. Yeah, so check out Sam's YouTube channel. We'll put links to that. Sam, yes. You've told us about what you do and uh, your relationship with Bond and your your channel. What's your like actual relationship with Bond growing up? So you're obviously a bit younger than us. So what was the first Bond you saw? Oh, it's 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 really tricky. I I can't say I remember which one I saw because um, so I owned four VHS tapes um, as a as a kid. So it was Goldfinger, Live and Let Die, The Man with the Golden Gun, and The Spy Who Loved Me. What I'm gonna you know presume that my my dad bought and. For some reason, those were the only films we had. He never got any others, and um, I don't know whether I don't know why that was the case. So yeah, I, I remember just watching th- those four, um, and then occasionally watching Bond on TV. Like um, I do distinctly remember being at a family party and seeing Goldeneye on, and I remember seeing the Aston Martin, the Ferrari, and I used to have you know toy Ferraris. So I, oh. that was like, and but I was so young at the time that. As soon as it got to, I would watch a bit of it, but then as soon as it got to Xenia with the uh, Admiral, uh, <laughs> it scared me so much yeah. um, that I would, you know, just not watch the rest of the film. So it did take a while for me to actually, you know, get around to watching uh, Goldman all the way through. Um, but yeah, but um, the only other remember the film that I remember watching, you know, <laughs> when I was really young was um, A View to a Kill um, because that would be. Oh. Um, on ITV, and that's probably like the only one that I remember watching on TV with 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 Dad. I I just have this really strong memory of um, it got to the end of the film, and you know they're on you know the Golden Gate Bridge, and he's saying, and my dad was saying that um, it was you know the last film, and obviously he was he was saying it was Roger Moore's last film, whereas me as you know five six years old was like, 
oh my god it's the last James Bond film which oh. in my mind made sense because Roger was so old um, <laughs> that it made, it made complete sense to me that that was the last film so for years I thought oh A View to a Kill is the end of is the end of the storyline right. so I don't know why I thought that but no aside from that like my cousins um, had you know an N64 so I, pl- I did play GoldenEye we played GoldenEye together then we all owned Xboxes so we all played Agent Under Fire Nightfire if we're not nothing and basically all those EA games up from there so even GoldenEye Rogue Agent from Rush With Love yeah so so we so we played um all of those and um, then really there was a there was a period of time where I really just played the games because it was that gap between Dine of the Day and Casino Royale and my dad had passed away in 2003 so there was just a real lull and I was so my main obsession at that time was Star Wars I was absolutely complete Star Wars so it's just you know there's always those institutions that you know so the Star Wars James Bond Doctor Who that you just kind of know growing up so like even though Doctor Who wasn't on at the time when I was really young I still knew what it was because it was just kind of part of everything so really it was only when before Daniel Craig was announced where I really kind of got into the films and my mum's partner at the time he actually said that he had all of the James Bond films on VHS so I he brought them all and I finally saw that full image on the front of the VHS VHS tapes which to me was just like the biggest thing and so that's how I caught up on all of them so I felt like like I was readily prepared before Casino Royale and then Casino Royale took the series in a different way which even though I think stylistically and as a film I I really appreciate the way that they went in terms of making it more modern. It's not the those free Roger Moore films and Sean Connery that I that I grew up with and um, quite early on. So I have mixed opinions, but I still appreciate that the series continues. Mm. Um, yeah, and which is the main thing uh, for me. So yeah, I just kind of like really got in, into it from that point on. You know, I did. I remember at school, I did a, a PowerPoint presentation on James Bond in Year Seven. Yes, that was like excessively long. <laughs> uh, no, yeah. So I just yeah d- just went on with that. Obviously, you know, leading up to like the 50th anniversary, you know, was proper into it. And then 007 Legends was a complete um, fail, and you know, all that stuff. And. You'll have to tell um, us about that. I, I played the first two level. No, I played a level and a half and decided no. <laughs> so I, I so I am going to give it another go, but it's just not um, really what I want to go back to. <laughs> but no, so like <laughs> it. It's it's just an awful game. It's just an awful game. I could go on a tangent with it, but I'm not going to. You can do. Um, we're talking about the game. where else are you going to Sam? Where, yeah, I could, but I Let could. I really, I really don't want to. Okay, so I long really as you're talking to, to someone about it, Sam, yeah, just John's face. We're offering <laughs> what, what we're going to do. Offering John's free counselling sessions. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's just it's. I th- I think because that was the last. That's the been the last game. I think it's just really disappointing for that for something that was so hyped up. Like I remember seeing, you know, the words Goldfinger. On a match Secret Service, License to Kill, all yeah, those, cool. all those like films popped yeah, up, yeah. and I was like, "Oh wow, this is going to be amazing!" I think because it was such a disappointment for what it mm. was. That is just a shame. So I think that's why I am very intrigued as to you know video games to come. But yeah, really, that I mean, that's it. I think I, I've you know watched Bond a lot more the past couple of years. I think especially during this lockdown, um, I've really you know you know felt bit become part of the community. Whereas you know when I was like 11, 12 years old it felt very difficult to become part of a community that just seemed very much older people that there wasn't really anyone 
my age so i remember creating some videos on like my original youtube channel but that channel was deleted and i just there was there wasn't a big you know reach anyway there wasn't a lot of people watching those sort of things so i just stepped away from that and just focused on other things and then you know i was told about the the bfi event in uh london for the 50th anniversary of uh on a Manchester secret service so i went and saw that with moonraker and uh, the world is not enough as a back-to-back trouble bill and george and george lazenby was there and that was that was amazing i know and uh david arnold was there he uh, spoke about Bond and he, yeah, I know. I'm only joking. He's brilliant. This is too much. <laughs> and yeah, and 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 just some of the some some of the um, other you know a couple of members of crew and you know other actors. So that so that was really fun. I think that was the, like the first Bond event that I've been to, and I'm lucky that I did that just before. That was in September 2019, so I'm glad that I managed to do that then. And then yeah, I think I was tweeting along with Bond when it was on ITV when they were showing all of them last year, and. Um, yeah. You know, managed to follow people because of that. Um, it was it was uh, Calvin who introduced me to David from License to Queer because um, we were speaking yes. about you know men in James Bond, and he said, "Oh, uh, License, you should look at License to Queer because there's a lot of good stuff in there." And then after I looked at some of the articles, I reached out to David, just said, "Oh, I thought it was really good," and he said, um, "If I wanted to write sometime." Um, so that's how that started, and yeah, it's just I think from then till now it's just been a lot of twitter a lot of uh, commenting on things and you know some of the writing and the video editing so i'm really happy with kind of like where i am with it i think especially because i'm really? you know some of those other franchises and tv and film that i'm not as passionate about at least you know at the moment so things like star wars and doctor who that i'm kind of have taken a back seat uh, it's like james bond has just come to the forefront and i think i really appreciate all the positivity i think there's so many toxic fandoms and communities Absolutely. out there that to see that probably about 95 percent of this community is always despite the varying opinions i think people realize that there's so many different opinions that they can't really judge on that mm. or at least you know judge so harshly to create a negative atmosphere so i think that's what has kept me within it as well and you know all, all the podcasts all the videos that have been shared all the articles i think all of them no matter who it's from where it's from it's all you know all about one thing which is this franchise which has affected a lot of people in a positive way despite you know some of the issues and problems that it you know it has it's all of its time it's all you know as long as we kind of reflect on that can mention it and kind of move forward but still are able to enjoy the bits that we should enjoy then yeah absolutely so that's probably the full Bond history of me. <laughs> no, it's great. Uh, in it's it's so good, Sam, to hear someone you know your age, someone younger than than ourselves, that there is life sort of after our era of Bond. I think all of us grew up yeah. with just watching them on video in the big wait for Brosnan, and then we had Brosnan as our Bond. So we've sort of we had it good basically for quite a few years, and we had Bond in our lives. It must have been weird, sort of. I was, no, that wasn't that wasn't a digger. I, I meant the gap between, you know, Brosnan and as he was saying. Yeah, yeah. the gap between. Yeah, yeah. yeah oh god. Yeah. No. Uh, I, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. I, no. I think. I think it, it is. It is weird because I feel like I can't imagine people, you know, younger than myself, watching the Bond films on ITV. I think part of it really depends on you know the parents and and who yeah. you grow up with and mm. what their relationship is I, f I would find it really difficult to imagine that you know you, people younger than me could you know 
get yes. uh, kind of in touch with it with it but but it's a worry um, isn't it that? I would I would like I would like I would like to think so I would hope so um I remember the gap between Brosnan and Craig it didn't seem that bad because of the games and because it was never like I think because Brosnan wasn't officially out for like at least two years you know I think because everything or nothing came out in 2004 and because that was such a full you know game and it had him in it I think it that kind of helped um, and I think there was because of the buzz for Casino Royale there was so much buzz about it in t- just in terms of it, it was everywhere people were just talking about it a lot more that it made that gap not seem that big at all I, th- I would probably say that the gap between Quantum and Skyfall seemed yes, larger yeah. but then and I think that's another reason why Skyfall ended up you know being such a, su- a success because it was just such the right time yeah. for that film to come out and uh, yeah t- time is really important with some film releases you know as we know about you know license to kill whether or yeah. not it would have been better if it was released at a different time rather than the summer but yeah I, I i like that now being in you know the community that i do see the different voices there are people who are around my age there are there are you know people of different you know genders sexualities um just different backgrounds in general just actually saying something and actually and whether or not they say something or not whether they're just listening taking things in that they now have you know things to view and analyze and to just appreciate i think it's just so important just going back of what you said about the community the bond community makes you want to watch bond again it makes you want to get more into bond because they're so positive and they're so diverse, aren't they? For you to say that, you know, you first spoke to Calvin Dyson, who, who I don't personally know, but everything I see on, on on his social media, he's a very positive guy. He's always polite. He's always liking, retweeting. And then to basically put you in touch with David, who's just a top guy. And y- you know straight away that, you're um, you're in a good safe community here. This is a community you want to be part of. This is a community that you want to talk about your favorite franchise with. And for a long time, I used to always think, what's my favorite franchise? Is it James Bond? Is it Star Wars? And for me, without a shadow of a doubt, it's James Bond now. And I would say that that is because of the past year, just talking about it so much with so many different people who love it and give different perspectives. I don't think there's actually anything quite like it, to be honest. I think it's yeah. something really special and I think we should really cherish it. Great, John. Complete, no, I completely, completely agree with that. Growing up then, if you thought Roger was the very last James Bond, how did Timothy Dalton and Pierce Brosnan come to sort of fit into that? It is a bit um, weird just because I think initially... I knew I, Brosnan was kind of my bond at the time. I knew he was there, whether or not I actually actively watched his films. And then obviously Connery and, and more. So really, the the ones that I didn't see until I got you know the I saw those VHS tapes, and I think maybe 2005, 2006 was Dalton and Lazenby. And with Dalton, I found I'd found them very tricky to watch initially. I think I was a you know around 11 years old had grown up on those films that I've, I've, I've said about and to, to w- then watch the rest of them and to get to Dalton it was just a bit jarring I think especially Licence to Kill at the time because of the direction it took because of how it felt Living Daylights has always just been one that's not confused me but it's, it's 
it, I feel like it's just such a mix of ideas that it's not, it's, it doesn't feel like it's, it doesn't feel like Dalton's Bond film. And to me, that's, that's an issue because I don't, I feel like it's someone else's. I feel like there's elements around him that aren't for him. I think that's why I'm really, I really like, oh, it would have been great if Dalton had a third film because I feel like it could have really been hit, been his to have. Whereas, you know, License to Kill has, has moved up so much since that initial viewing that it's in the it is in the top 10 of mine now come on whereas i think when i first saw both of the both that and the living daylights i was like oh i think they're at the bottom and you know living living daylights has moved up a little bit but to me again it's just the the other films just surpass it but license to kill has done a really good job as i've grown up and i and i would like to think that's not outside forces i think that's just me watching it now as a 26 year old compared to watching it as 11 as an 11 year old who didn't think that's what Bond could ever be. So I, I, I really think that Dalton is a fantastic, amazing actor. Um, I just think his his Bond needed to be more refined. Um, I just think he was just, he just had the you know misfortune of, be, of being Bond at a time where there was just a bit of uncertainty and it was just, it was just, again, timing, I think. It was just a bit rubbish. And he's, so he deserved better. <laughs> Which are your favourite uh, films then in the whole series? Could you, could you choose any? Or it's difficult, isn't it? No, I, I, I can't. I think for a long time it was Goldfinger. And I think, again, because I only had four films. And for me, that was just the one I enjoyed the most. And even after watching the others, um, it was still Goldfinger. But then when I watched all those VHS tapes, the last one I got to was On a Majesty's Secret Service. And I left that and you only live twice till the end. I don't know why. I just watched them all out of order because I was like, oh, I'll just watch what I want to watch first. I think like Diamonds Out Forever was one of the first ones I wanted to watch because I was like, oh, like that looks interesting. But then because I, 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 I knew, I, knew um, I knew what happened. I knew what was going to happen. But I... I knew that you you only live twice was big, and it was Sean Connery's last within that that point, and I knew that Lazenby had his own. So I watched You Only Live Twice, had a brilliant time watching that, and I was like, right, this is the last one uh, with Anna Majesty's. Yeah, I saw that again at 11 years old, and just was completely blown away because every anything that I had seen wasn't was either negative or just average i'd like i wasn't actively looking for people being like oh this is a great film just the things i saw just didn't speak of it very highly so when i saw it i was like wow that i think i watched it the morning after and i kept watching it and i kept watching it again and again and so for years i kind of put that tied with goldfinger at the top but um especially over like the past five years i think i can safely say that that's my favorite i just think it has so many things going for it and i think just as, as a film just outside of bond i think it's just a, a very well-made film and i think even though lazenby's not the best i think he 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 does it he gets the job done and it's great that the rest of the people around him are just so just so good so yeah that's that's the one me. Well, John won't disagree with that. Well, none of us will. That's one certainly that our, maybe just me and Harry, our experience growing up, it was almost, I think Chris said it, it's almost like a lost bond that was a bit discarded, a bit unfashionable. Mm. I think even Dad used to say it. Oh yes, it, 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 there was just oh, yeah. it was just this one way, it was just another actor, yeah, sort of, almost as if it's not canon almost. No one spoke about it. No. no it wasn't an active, it wasn't an active thing, it was like, oh, it's that VHS trailer that's at the beginning of the video before the film starts. Yeah. Oh, he's in there i don't really know anything about him because no one spoke about him and i think that's what makes it all the more intriguing for a first time viewer because mm. if you don't know much at all 
um, I think it makes the experience better. And to see to see that at the BFI, even though Moonraker and oh. the world is not enough is great, but to see but to see you know those those ski scenes, for example, just on the big screen, to to just feel the audience's tension at the end when Bond and Tracy are talking. It was just such an environment and uh, just such a feeling that you can't really just have when you just sat watching it at home. So I would encourage, you know, if people can see films like that or any of the others at the cinema that were released before, you know, you were born or anything, then definitely do it. With The more people, the merrier, because it just creates such a good environment. If you're enjoying Really 007, why not follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram? Look us up at Really 007 Pod. But yes, as we sort of almost alluded to, we are going to talk about James Bond songs tonight. On this episode, our fifth volume of uh, the Bond songs, the Bond songbook, as I like to call it, as no one calls it, it focuses on two video game songs. <laughs> so we haven't, we haven't. I mean, until until there's uh, some suggestions from Sam and others, I haven't even thought to include them. But it turns out some reek crackers in the. In the Bond song, you know, the video game songs, and we're going to focus on two of them tonight. Remember them? 007 computer games, they were, they were good, weren't they? Used to enjoy playing those. Yeah. They came out, yeah. So, yes. Uh, we love a, com- we love a comeback. We're coming we do, back, yeah. hopefully. Fingers crossed. Yeah. So, stay tuned, fellas, <clears throat> yeah, for the, for the new one, hopefully. Um, we will also look at... <laughs> we will also look at a golden... A golden era of Bond classic. Should I sing it? Does someone else want to sing the, the title of the song? <laughs> uh, yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> For your eyes only. Do, do. <laughs> Doesn't go like that. <laughs> we'll cut that out. It goes exactly like that. Talks exactly like <laughs> <laughs> Can see me through the night. Right. Uh, yeah, so the first and only time the singer of the title song has... Uh, themselves featured in the title sequence. I think it was Morris Binder's idea, wasn't it? Because he, because he fancied her. I think. I think it was as simple yeah, as that, really, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Scottish singer Sheena Easton, of course. Uh, she she actually cameoed in another one of my favourite films, uh, and I didn't realise this until I saw it quite recently again. An absolute Tom Pickup classic, mid nineties love triangle. Should we? Uh, it's not Legend of the Fall, it's Indecent Proposal. Oh. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. She's at the piano bar where, uh, just before Robert Redford sort of basically approaches Demi Moore. She's, yeah, performing on the piano. So is that, is that just a cameo, or does she actually speak she, in it? Uh, I, I just wouldn't have thought that she was I a, don't an actress. It, yeah. Um, no, I think it doesn't say this is Sheena Easton, but I think it's like, you know, he's a, he's a multi-billionaire, isn't he? So he probably would have a professional singer at his party. So I'm guessing, yeah, it was meant to be her. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. 
PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Who knows? Hmm? What's VJ Amritraj meant to be? <coughs> VJ, who do we don't know? Same person. Uh, I mean, they, 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 they definitely got his life story wrong in Octopussy then. Uh, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's all I'm going to say. Oh, yeah, he perished. <laughs> this was only the second time, Fury Eyes Only, that uh, John Barry hadn't been involved with writing the theme song, because, of course, there wasn't a theme song, really, for Doctor No. This was the sort of one-off, one-on John Barry era. It was a little bit inconsistent, I think, for tax reasons. Anyway... They didn't choose Marvin Hamlish. I've never really thought about that. I don't know why he wasn't asked back, but um, I don't know. I think it, I think possibly John Glenn's decision, it was his choice, then he thought Bill Conti could do a, a good job. John, yeah. you, you're not as big a fan of the Fiori's only score, are you? No, uh, I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's bad at all. I mean, um, <laughs> I think what I love about Bond scores is is how memorable they are and Barry's the king of that you know you you hear that music that sounds a bit like Coronation Street but it's played on oh, yeah. it's played on like a flute and you know we're in the middle of Octopus you know it, it, yeah, yeah. Um, you know it's great. <laughs> but, um, and that's what the that's what Barry's great at but I think even Hamlish I think Whilst it's maybe not as you're not going to listen to it on your own as much as a yeah. lot of Barry stuff, I do think it incredibly suits Spy Love Me really well in a lot of ways. I think Bond seventy seven's cracking <clears throat> piece of music and all the rest of it. And dare I say it without sounding like complete sacrilege, I actually think Eric Serra's score isn't half bad either. Oh, <laughs> I thought you were say it's better than this. Yeah. It's more memorable. Well, that's my issue. With, for, for, for what reason, then? Yeah. Well, but that's my, but, but that's my issue with this score, is, is that not that it's bad, because it's not bad, it's a good score. But I, I don't find it memorable. Really? I find it like a. Sc- you no, know what? Yeah, I don't. Du, Apart du, from du, those. Du, when you look You're not selling it. And there's that, there's that bit like with looking in Melina's eyes. Like that green kind of thing going on. But I don't find it a catchy score. Sorry, well, John, I'm just losing your signal. Sorry. Sorry. Sorry about that. No, I, it was a joke. I was, no, right. I was trying to cut him off. Uh, <laughs> Carry on. And Carry the on. other thing I'd say, the, other, the final thing I'd say is, is that John Barry's music's timeless. I do yeah, think yeah. that this has dated quite a lot of ways. As I think Marvin Hamlish is dated yeah, as yeah. well, to be fair. So that's just my thoughts on it. But that's I'm not going to go hard on it because it's, it's <laughs> still far better than anything I could do. You know, but it's Whoa. like... it's. Don't know yet. It's just not my favourite by any stretch. I'm fine with the score. I, 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 I think it's very rare. I, I think it's rare for me to really dislike or to just not feel a, a score at all. Like there's usually something in there that will, you know, get a reaction that will make me feel, oh yeah, this is Bond. Um, Have you seen Spets? And I think 
So, um, <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I, ha- I have. I have. The, the music is probably. I would say. I would say uh, soundtracks from from the Craig films are probably the ones I listen to the least. Oh yeah. Because I, I don't get enough. You know, let's say cheer out of it. I don't know. But I think with Fiora is only. I think you know a drive in the country and run away. So the two action sequence you know pieces are, are the, probably the, are probably the strongest uh, for me. <laughs> um, but then even so, even then, you know, like you were saying, uh, the mu- the music that's on when just after Melina's parents have been killed, and um, I think the instrumental versions of Your Eyes Only actually work quite well. You know, when they're, when they're in the sledge and uh, when yeah. they're talking after they've walked through the town, mm-hmm. I think that works um, really well. Um, but again, I think it's just one of those things, and it's what I say when when I don't dislike something, but when there's just a lot of others that do it better. And I think I don't know whether it's because Bill Conti um, has done TV, he you know he did the Dynasty theme, he did the Dallas theme. I don't know whether it just feels like a heightened TV soundtrack. I'm not mm. too sure, but I feel like that's maybe what people could think about it. Because I mean, I don't I don't have Fiora's only quite high on my list. I would probably say that The Spy Who Loved Me is a, a which has a different um, you know compo- a composer and um, does a much better job. I feel like even though it's not timeless, a timeless soundtrack. I think it does its job a lot more uh, than Beyond Eyes Only does with that. I agree with both gents here. I, I, it's difficult when you've got John Barry, and with this is probably something that will come up time and time again. But when he's pretty much governing the whole franchise and he's in charge, you know, he like uh, Rob Parker likes to mention, you know, his thumbprint on is on everything, kind of, mm. and he's always in the back of your mind. It's it's difficult to say that. I, I I think Fiora's Only would be better had John Barry scored it, and you might think I might people would probably think more fondly of the film than they do uh, if it had a John Barry score that was perhaps more memorable. And perhaps the memorable part it, that is part of the problem, like John says, I know there are great themes, but in terms of how memorable it is, maybe that I mean for me it is. You know, there, there are parts that are memorable, but I think if you're an average person, I don't think they'll recall the music from Fiora's Only. But that said. For me, I absolutely love it. I, I I think it's part and parcel of the film, and I'm for most of my life I've absolutely loved For Your Eyes Only, but I'm going through a real spell at the moment of just being obsessed with it and loving what it does and the 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 package that it is and everything that you get with it. And even though I think John Barry's music would improve it, I love what we get with Bill Conti's score. And yeah, you know that part of it's dated um, in the same way that Spire Love Me has, but. I think I probably do prefer this soundtrack to the Spy Love Me's, if I'm being honest. And I don't know, just it's nice to hear different instruments, even though they are dated, and then how they incorporate the Bond theme. Like I think is it is it driving the country where it's you know the usual that that kind of Bill Conti funk and that's yeah. loads of fun, and then go it, it goes into the da 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 and sort of including, you know, the Bond theme is something that's brilliant. And, you know, com- <laughs> compared to Eric Serra's <laughs> inclusion of Bond themes, that that is how you do it. If you're an, if you're a different composer, I like I like it when it's done like uh, how Bill Conti did it. Um, so yeah, it's 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 great for me, and it and it I think as someone who's really becoming more and more obsessed with For Your Eyes Only, there's something special about the soundtrack that. Though it may be flawed in places or not as good as John Barry's, it's it's part of the package for me. 
yeah. and I think that's that's the thing as well with, with something like a drive in the country it's only as good as what is being shown on screen as well and I, yeah you know that whole chase is is just I think one of the best parts of the of the film yeah even even the ski chase as silly as as a couple of the elements are I mean it absolutely works and you know it could be a bit shady but I mean I love that Bill Conti didn't put music over when Bond drops from the cliff because that, that would have completely ruined it so mm. I mean I appreciate the choice to to yeah. cut the music when he did but yeah so and like i said about some of those like more romantic moments as much even though i don't really truly believe the the romance element i still think those scenes and those pieces of music stick out because of yeah. because the music and the actual the scene itself the setting is actually a you know working well together i just don't yeah. think it does it that great all the way through can you imagine if a new if the new bond film comes out and hans zimmer's well, somehow incorporated the main theme into the score and he's produced loads of new melodies I mean really you can't take this for granted can we with the Bond score so I think as a sort of identical Bond score itself I think it, it does the job it, yes it does it has that sort of driving disco funk thing that we get in uh, the spy book it, okay it puts it in a time scale puts it in a moment in time but so does the the cold war politics i suppose so does the everything that's going on in the background you know you could say the atac plot so Thatcher. I, yeah well, <laughs> I, I, I don't know i think I, I like harry i watched it recently for the first time in goodness knows 10 years maybe and it's just it's soaring way into the top of the ten, at least for me now i absolutely love it just just remind me actually mentioned a decent proposal of course that was the, the Sheenier Eastern film which John Barry did score. Check that score yeah. out, guys. Absolutely incredible. But Bill Conti, obviously famous for his Rocky score, probably to most people, mm-hmm. which is pretty, pretty epic. He, he also did the Karate Kid theme as well. So, yeah, another one. And, and of course, and we all remember most uh, fondly, Masters of the Universe. <laughs> <laughs> it is an incredible score. Honestly. Perhaps too, too epic for the film. Yeah. <laughs> And obviously uh, the other two very famous, uh, Spy Hard and Wrongfully Accused. The Leslie Nielsen spoof double bill. <laughs> it's true, yeah. Did you know he'd uh, <laughs> he won an Oscar? He won an Oscar for best score for a film called The Right Stuff. It's one of these eighties films yeah. that's been completely lost in times. It's about astronauts, I think. Yeah, it's my, one of Mark Commode's favorite. Yeah, exactly. It's on, Dis- yeah. It's on um, those that have Disney Plus. It's on Disney Plus. Oh right, oh brilliant. Oh right. So going into a bit of the background of uh, choosing the score, the producers wanted Debbie Harry, the lovely Debbie Harry, to perform the song. Not Blondie. They didn't want Blondie. They wanted Debbie Harry herself. I think that was where the first problem started because she was like, "Well, I'm 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 in a band, so <laughs> you, you either get me, uh, well, you either get the band or nothing." And of course, they refused to sing. Bill Conti's song. They then offered their own. Yes, I don't know whether I don't know whether you chaps have uh, have heard this song. Have you guys heard the the, the Blondie version? Yes, I have. Yes, no, repeatedly, <laughs> many times. Before, before it's, this it's episode, just... aware of it, but never taken the plunge. No, no, no. I've not I've I've not listened to it in a while, but um, it is one of those. It's one of the few, you know, the rejected, you know, in Beach Marks. Uh, uh, songs that I just think is, is is good to listen to generally. Anyway, I, I think it's a good song. Um, I yeah. think it's it would just kicked off the eighties Bond series. I think um, kicked off a bit better. Um, I, I think the actual the piece is great. It's not too much. It's not too little. Um, it's just a really great track, and I think it's a shame that 
we didn't get that because as much as I think the Fiora is the only song that we got was, was good and it was nice um, I think just coming after Nobody Does It Better than Moonraker it just it's a bit of a lull and it, it just it's really middle of the road for me I can't say it's bad at all it's not um, but yeah it, it's Blondies is just you know, to me just a lot better and it would have it would have been my preferred version but if I had the choice of course People don't seem to like the ballads anymore, I've noticed. They, they really don't. The Moonraker, Fury Zone, and then All Time High. Bottom of the list, aren't they? Usually, possessing <laughs> It's not even a case of. It's not to me. It's not even a case of not liking. I think it's just yeah. the fact that you get them in succession after the other. If did been breaks and other and other choices, I think that would have been. It would have been fine. Um, I just, I, just, I just think it is a, is a shame that you know because some of those theme songs the single logistics have gotten away and it just meant that uh, people who could have done it and could have you know really propelled something uh, didn't and I'm probably a bit more uh, vocal about it because Jimmy Houston is in the title sequence which means that I can't really put doing UT up title sequence oh, yeah. on this <laughs> song because it would just look weird <laughs> have you heard this before Harry? Uh, no um, I've obviously read about it but I've never for some reason never quite gone ahead and searched for it and uh, listened to it so I don't know what I'm about to but I like Sam's Sam's analysis it would definitely have been good to have mixed it up a bit um, I, I, I kind of have a similar opinion to the to the actual Sam version a lot of it um, I think Moonraker, I, I I'm just someone who hasn't put it for long in the past, but, but in terms of the score, uh, the song very much fits it uh, in what it's trying to do. Uh, it's trying to go for slow moving, grandeur kind of big strings to kind of show the big thing in space. This song, Before Your Eyes Only song, doesn't really go well with the score. You talk about driving a country. It's a, it's the best. It's probably the best, probably the best piece of music on the soundtrack, and it's and it's real eighties. And I think we could have gone down a bit more of an upbeat song for this um, for this film. I, I think it comes across a bit lazy to do a kind of another middle of the road song. I'll give Octopussy a pass on the middle of the road ballad because it's very hard to write a song with the word Octopussy in. So I get why they went down that route for that. <coughs> so. You'll have to try it one yeah, day, I, John. I, I, I really think you will. Do it Tim right. I, I, I can't say that it wouldn't have been better with, you know, a more upbeat 80s kind of theme. And I like that idea that Sam said about sort of kickstarting the 80s era of Bond. And, 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 and I also agree that, you know, you've, it's surrounded by these slower ones. It's going through this period of like, nobody does it better, Moonrake, and then there's all time high after it. And that's probably why when A View to a Kill came, it was such a smash kind of, because it was like, yeah. come back with it. Um, but, but for me, I think of all those songs, maybe accepting Moonraker, this is my absolute favourite of these ballads, and I absolutely love it. And I probably disagree with you, John, on the, on the, for me, you know, obviously it's my opinion. Um, <laughs> yeah, of course, yeah. Uh, that in safe place, sorry. Yeah, I think it really, it really suits the film for me. I, I, I find the film quite. You use the word, the phrase "middle of the road," Sam, which is in some ways fair, but it's it's low key. It's I, I one of the things that I've loved about watching Fiora's only recently is 
the scale of the film how there's there's no great big layer with you know hundreds of guards you know which we've seen before with like Spy Love Me and Moonraker and I know I know they were quite intentional about sort of bringing it back down to earth and grounded and all that but I love the scale and the pace of the film and the locations and I just think the songs in many ways perfectly fits the film. Part of its problem possibly why some people might not feel it fits is there's no like undercurrent of Bond notes in it. There's no, you know, like duh, 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 yeah. any sort of minor notes or anything that you know, like maybe Thunderball, like in Thunderball, for example, where there's yeah, where there's like the pre-chorus that mm. that's amazing when it does it. This sort of moves away from all that. So maybe it would have benefited from just having a, a little bit of that. But at the same time, for me, I've got total respect for that because I think that's part of the problem of what Bond songs are doing now is when artists are given the brief to write a Bond song. They're writing just a song for the franchise, just about what Bond notes are, whereas this feels like a song written for the, very deliberately for the film. And you know, it's not just gonna do a generic Bond song that could actually, as a template, fit on another Bond film and then fit on another Bond film. I think this song is really specifically for this film and that's something that I, I really like about it. Yeah, and, 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 and I'll, I'll pause because I've gone a bit there, but I've got there's <laughs> loads of more positive things I want to say about it. <clears throat> no, I was I was just gonna say I do I did think just before uh, coming on here that I do I do agree that it fits despite what I think of the song and and everything I do think it a hundred percent fits with the film that it's that it's used in I don't think there's any question of that for me anyway but I know there's there's I think there's like two other versions of the song I think there's there's one with slightly different lyrics but it's pretty much the same thing and then there's a real stripped back demo version which barely has any instruments playing and. So really, it's just kind of it sounds like a MIDI keyboard a little mm. bit, and ju- and just Sheena Easton singing, and it's almost completely different lyrics, but it it's actually like a really you know I would, I would say beautiful you know piece because it just sounds very raw, and and so I I think there's something there with with her and with and with this song, and and maybe part of it is just you know because of you know my feelings about the film as well, but yeah, like I said, middle of the road for me, but I think it, it is good, and I, and I I can completely respect you know Harry Harry's view on that, on that, and that it does fit. I was just gonna say when you mentioned sort of you know the stripped back version and it being raw, I think that that's also part of its charm for me. You know, for so many years that had sort of powerhouse performances from you know females and males like Tom Jones has said or you know a really loud man with the golden gun or live and let die and I just find her Sheen Easton's voice so um, like humble I know that sounds odd but like honest and natural it's not yeah. over the top in any way it, feel, it feels like she is someone who would <laughs> say nothing um, but she feels like some, someone who would adore Bond and then this is maybe a sad sort of thing in my head where I almost and it's not nothing to do with short hair I promise but where I kind of picture it being the song that Pam Bouvier would sing to Bond <laughs> um, in terms of <laughs> in terms of like the the honesty and uh, the low key You're n- not backing yourself kind of and then, and then this theory was completely hammered home by John's suggestion of the uh, the trilogy. The oh yeah, the, <laughs> and and I'm there now, and I'm now just picturing it being uh, James and Pam's wedding song, basically. Oh, and I think, wow. and on that note, I do think it's in a similar boat to if you asked me to. Rob's yeah. ending with the fishing and all that. 
run, running their own fishing business yeah. in the Keys. Yeah. <laughs> if I have to describe it in one word, it would be pleasant. Pleasant driving. And a pleasant drive in the country. <laughs> yeah, it's the same. A pleasant drive in the country. <laughs> it's a nice song. I'm someone who writes church music. I'm, I'm someone who writes songs for church. And the number one rule when you write songs for church is you write songs that people can sing along to. So you you don't you deliberately don't be too creative with your chord progressions to the point that people can't well, sing it. You need to have a, a you need to have an earworm basically, something that gets into when, somebody's head. When our church tried to do Oh Holy Night as a congregational, I mean goodness me, I mean it's so difficult to Exactly. <laughs> that's people it. trying to get these high that's notes. the point. Yeah, and you've got all these augmented chords going on. Yeah. No no one's gonna do it. And this to me is the nearest James Bond song that could be a church song. Yeah. In well, terms of like, it's it's pl- it's thank you very pleasant. Much. Like, well, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's um, sing alongy, um, and the chords are simple, and that's it. It's a nice song, but Barry doesn't do nice songs. No, no. You look at we have all the time in the world. You've got a gorgeous melody, but then when you look at when it runs down, you've got these ridiculous chord progression rundowns that make the melody sound so much more interesting. I said it previously about Moonraker. Moonraker, again, quite a slow melody, but he, he minors tonic chords, so it sounds mysterious. Bill Conte does <laughs> none of that. He keeps it very simple. For the masses. He keeps it very much. We'll go... We'll go C to G to D to A minor. We'll make it a sing-along hit. It works for the film, and it's a decent song. And if I wrote it for church, I'd be like, yeah, people are going to sing along to that. But it's certainly not of the songwriting caliber as something like A View to a Kill or Live and Let Die is that goes all over the place in it. But that's just my thought. It's a pleasant song. It is so much more better than like Spectre or anything like that. Sorry. With that, with that mindset, what are your views on Nobody Does It Better? So Nobody Does It Better is a very interesting song because, again, it, it's a song that for a long time I was similar to this about. I, I, I kind of thought, yeah, it's a nice, pleasant song. But when you actually start looking at the chord progressions that they're doing, I think I look at it a bit more objectively and I go actually what they're trying to do and how they're mixing things there with bass rundowns and stuff there is it is a bit there's a bit more to it than this so I do prefer The Spy Who Loved Me to this they are quite similar I find them similar that's why I kind of brought it up and yeah nobody does it better is what I learned to play on the piano and I loved to play it when I was doing it. and just on that note is with this music teacher that Tom's already mentioned called Mr Easton so I always thought it was Sheena Easton, just on that note. Anyway, <laughs> um, that's, that's a, a side note. That's where the but comparisons yeah, I, So I learned Nobody Does It Better, and I loved playing it, and I loved it as a tune. And, I, you know, I also grew up liking For Your Eyes Only. But again, with this renaissance, well, not even a renaissance, but what, this thing that I'm on with For Your Eyes Only at the moment, the song For Your Eyes Only, for me, is way ahead of Nobody Does It Better for me at the moment, because what? there just seems to be so much love and honesty and romance behind it, way more than Nobody Does It Better for me. It seems so much more adoring than Nobody Does It Better. I, 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 don't, I don't know quite why that is, but for me, that's how I feel. It, it must just 
do something for me. <laughs> um, but and 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 I, you know, you've also got to mention the production. I think the production is really sort of lush and and amazingly suited to the film in terms of like it sounds nautical and suits sort of the the what like you know that, yeah that, when you hear that that note the sound those notes sorry it's yeah you just think oh swimming underwater possibly with no clothes on <laughs> <laughs> your eyes, your eyes only jane <laughs> darling <laughs> darling <laughs> <laughs> no, it do, it does sound good. I think in 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 the end titles, um, I probably prefer it there. That's that. Yeah, that yeah. May sound a yeah. bit shady too, but um, but no, I I think it's it suits seeing, seeing Bond and Molina swim, and then you you get that, and I think it's a nice way to close the film. So if they kept that as the end title song, and then had Blondie as the main title, then we'd be all good. Um, <laughs> Best of both worlds. Yeah, that's it. interesting. Best of both. Yeah, yeah. And I was going to say, just uh, a play on words uh, for the Pleasant thing, and this this is really bad. To so join up free free films, so a Donald Pleasant drive in St. Petersburg. We <laughs> 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 got you only twice. For your eyes only, Golden Eye. I really hope the Tchaikovsky hasn't uh, used that one. Oh, um, yeah. brilliant! He, I mean, he always credits his sources. I'm sure he would publish it, but in your name. Yeah. <laughs> If there is ever a James Bond theme rounds on Richard Osman's House of Games, I think you've yeah, smashed yeah. the answer right there. Yeah. Haven't you? <laughs> the only time I'd smash it, that's it. I'm, that's the one thing. John, you you said it could be a church song. That that almost I don't know whether they've done this anecdote yet, but I wasn't even there. It was at Daniel Bauer's birthday party, and they were apparently they, I don't know how old was he. Were you there, Harry? You're probably too young, were you? Math was there, so he. Um, I th- I th- I think yeah, Matt- it's one of those anecdotes that I've heard. Uh, I've heard, and I've got confused whether I was there or not. Well, math will do it if we ever get around to doing the review of this film. Uh, I mean, this is a review of it, basically, isn't it? Nature. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the anecdote was that I think maybe it was Savage's twelfth birthday party, and it was when we were really obsessed with Bond. Daniel Barrow, if anyone doesn't know, is was our neighbour growing up, and we we filmed James Bond films with him, and he was Bond in a lot of them, and he and he was awful. <laughs> Uh, let's be honest. <laughs> he, he was wooden. He really was. But anyway, and he had an American accent for some reason, or his Rossendale accent. But uh, look it up so, if you don't know. So it anyway. was basically the James Brolin. James Brolin, yeah. <laughs> a, 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 a mix of James Brolin and George Lazenby just rolled into one. Oh, <laughs> hang on. Hang on. Yeah. Give James Brolin a shot. No. Um, anyway, yes, at this birthday party, apparently they, they put on, it was probably that CD we had, wasn't it? You know, the 30th anniversary one with all the songs up to Licence to Kill, I think, by that stage. This is probably well before you were born there, Sam, dear me. But, uh, yeah. And I, mean, it, I, I, I mean, just for reference, I, I was born a few weeks before Goldeneye came out. Oh, so, oh, so might be close. Oh, might be yeah. close. Okay. Yeah. That's class. That, but, yeah. Yeah, and... Math always recounts Daniel singing Fiora's Only. He, he did a sort of karaoke version of it. And I, what I wouldn't give to get footage of that, or, or the CD version. I mean, you can picture if To be honest, his, his Christian stuff is pretty good, but he's had an auto-tuner, so there you go. Anyway, we love Daniel. There you go. We love Daniel. Um, going to strangle the yeah. cat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> strangling a cat. Yeah, <laughs> that's my mistress. 
If people are imagining For Your Eyes only sung by T-Pain, it's it's not that kind of... <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't be as good as that. <laughs> yeah. Well, a, another side note, I actually I watched GoldenEye the other night and I did tweet myself singing along with Arena like, so. in a really I bad fake <laughs> rush. Yeah. It was awful, good rush awful. Nice. But I mean, it was funny at the time. I mean, I, I would love to say that I practice every day. I really don't. I don't think I've ever, ever <laughs> practiced a Russian accent in my life. Um, but I mean, I at least I have that in my back pocket just in case. Not sure Robbie could train. Uh, if I need to be... Enough, no. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> that was a really good, awkward... Good, good reaction. Good. You're st- sticking up for it. <laughs> He's fine. He's okay. It's the guy in um, Octopus, you know, the bomb, the bomb guy who's in Luther. Turn it a counterclockwise... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just got <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! Oh <laughs> goodness gracious! Anyway, back to this uh, blessed song. Yeah, Fiori's only. No, I'm joking. We love it. Um, <laughs> it it was a big. What hit, do you though. think, Tom? Man, you, you you've you've not you've yeah not yeah. Oh yeah, I never I never get a chance to it. No, I'm joking. It's this whole. It's synonymous with my childhood with the film, which I love, and it just fits. I I love the Conti score. No offense to anyone. I think it's. It works so well for the film. I think there's loads of memorable themes. Personally, you've got the one on the beach, you know, uh, with um, on the French horn. I think it is with Liesel. Yeah, that that one. So nice. You've got the ones we've mentioned already, and the the music, like you said, Sam. It's there's a great use of non-music for the climb sequencing. But the actual music, when it comes, da, 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 I think that's absolutely outstanding. So I, I think, it's, it's, I mean, it's that. I mean, that's one of the best scenes in the whole franchise for me. But it's it's a quality film. It's a quality soundtrack, and the song. Yeah, I agree. It's it's maybe because I've heard it so many times out of the film. If you just saw it in context with the film, it's not. It doesn't quite work as much, maybe. Whereas the new films seem to work, the new sorry, the new songs seem to work far better when you watch them with these grandioso title sequences, you know, with a mm. half-naked Daniel yeah. Craig and an octopus on him or whatever. But tentacles, whatever. But yeah, they, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I absolutely love it. And I also, again, this is really sad. I desperately wanted to mention this. I think it's when it's been used as a love theme. It later on, it goes on to another section that isn't in the bit. Yeah, it, it sounds like it goes kind it's of like incredible. up an octave a little yeah, bit. Yeah. It, it just kind of it goes up, and yeah, you don't hear that. Yeah, it, it feels like it should be part of like a like a like the twelve inch version of Your yeah, Eyes Only, yeah. like the it's extended cut, the, re- yeah. the like, remix. Yeah, <laughs> T Pain on that one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, I do. I, I love it. Like I say, it was yeah, big hit. It was again bigger in America. It was number eight in England, but number four in America, which I think was the biggest hit until A View to a Kill, which was number one, the only number one in America. It got what did it get? Nominated for an Oscar again, just like nobody does it better because obviously John Barry wasn't good enough. He he never got yeah. Um Yeah, Golden Globe and a Grammy. It got nominated for. But yes, in terms of the actual. The actual song itself, uh, the lyrics were by a chap called Michael Leeson. Bill Conti apparently had Donna Summer or Dusty Springfield in mind when he was thinking of who to sing it. Could you could you see either of them giving it a go, Sam? Do you think Dusty? Yeah, 
Um, I think I think Donna Summer. I think maybe a different a different song for her because I think make she, it last all night. I I would I think I no absolutely not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I I feel like with Don I feel like Donna Summer could like really kill her. And she could have killed like an, a real a real upbeat song, yeah. A real you know, like a fun track. Whereas I feel I feel like Dusty did a real good job of the slow of the ballad. So I th- I think Fiora's only could could have worked as it stands with Dusty Springfield. But I would say Donna Summer could have done something else. Action! This is John Glenn. You're listening to Really <laughs> 007 Podcast. Well, I think it's the only non-John Barry score that has two songs composed by the same same composer. It's probably a stat that no one's ever thought of or cared about before, but I've just thought of it now. <laughs> anyway, if you if you didn't know, there is another song on the Fury's Only soundtrack, and it's in the film, and it plays a very prominent part uh, of a particular action scene. The second Bill Conti song is, of course, I'm blushing as I say this, <laughs> make it last all night, lads. <laughs> No, it's just make it last or not. <laughs> so again, it's uh, written by Bill Conti, his wife Shelby, and a guy called Chris West, who I don't, I don't know. So, so maybe maybe he's responsible for some of these lyrics as well as his wife. Bill wants out of it; he doesn't want any blame. Um, I think just for the yeah. music, uh, filthy, absolute Bill. <laughs> These are sex These people. Are sex. <laughs> they're sex swappers. I, I feel like when people like say, "Oh yeah, diamonds are forever," or yeah, "Mummy Golden yeah. Filthy," I'm like, "You have not heard anything. This is dirt." I've written down above these lyrics, "Dirty, dirty, dirty," because it's just the truth. It is. I don't yeah. think I've ever read the lyrics properly before, and it is no. There's, there's barely any. Um... Why don't you read some of them to us now, Sam? Children out of the room. Children out. Of okay. The room. I mean, I, 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 I can do. I can, you know, just you know, to get us in that level. Light so, the candles. <laughs> I mean, I mean, if I had one in here, I would do it absolutely. Then I'd like, I'd wave the light. The candle for this one. Um, <laughs> try to hold it down <laughs> and take it slow, and just and just enjoy the motion. If you just relax and push it back. There is no limitation. Can you feel it inside you? Can you feel it inside me too? Try to keep it up and ease it in to get that good vibration. If you come too late, you'll have to wait to get that good sensation. Can you feel it moving smooth and slow? Ease on back moving flow. I feel like I I need to stop there. That's there's there's not that any more lyrics after <laughs> yeah. that. There's a lot of like ooh ooh yeah. uh, in there. But um, John, yeah. you, are there any are there any church songs that you can compare <laughs> this to, John? If there is, uh, we're not going to be singing them on Sunday morning. That's for sure. I mean, as you were saying this, it was like, can you feel it moving smooth and slow? Mmm. Alan's yeah. beat bar. Yeah. That's my dad's call. And what you Ooh. don't get what you don't get in those written lyrics are like the backing vocals, which aren't backing vocals, they're just groans. Like, ooh. Yeah. <sighs> like if you yeah, just relax, yeah. ooh. De-de-de. I feel I feel like they went they they went to an uh, a half empty car park or an almost empty car park in the middle of the night, you know, just opened some car doors and just recorded what was inside what was going on inside there. <laughs> and that was it. Um, Doggy. Yeah. Sorry. 
I mean, without going completely <laughs> sordid, it could just have been a conversation between Bill and Shelby, yes. couldn't it, really? Like, Lovely married, married look. Well, yeah, but you when? <laughs> can, you, can you feel inside me? Can you, can you feel Can you feel could, inside me too? You know. They could have been talking about the tea that they had for the dinner. <laughs> yeah, the Yorkshire pudding. <laughs> I mean that that is a good sensation. Is it? Yeah. So uh, you got to take your time, <laughs> level out. It's not an innovation when you eat a Yorkshire pudding. Cause <laughs> we're the <pervert. laughs> yeah. And then hold on, write this down. Yeah. You know, just count to ten. Back again. It's not just calculation. <laughs> yeah. So you don't burp, isn't it? Can you feel it moving smooth and slow? It's not about the gravy that goes down. <laughs> I don't think you can say that, John. This is a family podcast. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's the it's at the easy baby if i burn up there's no need to feel so tight be loving be gentle be patient we make it last all night do we <laughs> yeah the but, thing is that th- this song is not it's not so so you know loud or no, the, the no. lyrics don't don't the vocal doesn't pop out in the actual film itself so you you hear like a bit of it but you don't you don't get you don't feel the full effects of it you just you kind of feel you you hear the song you think i mean at least for me you you think sleazy just in terms of the way it yeah. the way it is yeah. and that that fits the vibe of you know gonzalez's you know Party, extremely you know, cool we'll as well. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I'd play this at a pool party that I would go to or host. But I mean, in the eighties, you know, it's go, not on Spotify, so you can't put it on a playlist. You know, <laughs> yeah. add it to Spotify and it's straight on my yeah, pool party. Yeah. So like, <laughs> <laughs> wedding party, and then oh, oh yeah. <laughs> you start with wedding party, you get the crowd up, and when it gets yeah. to about ten o'clock. When you the know, children went to bed. Yeah. You know, at my wedding, it was Careless Whisper by about 11 o'clock, Tom, and everyone was just like, this would be the equivalent oh. of my pool party. <laughs> it's such a good beat, though, it is, group, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like you really? said, it, it it does suit that environment so well in terms of a little bit sleazy, a yeah. little bit, you know. I do, I do like that, that intro where it's like... It, do, 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 boom. And it's yeah, like, yeah. and it's like that happens like as as Roger's like getting closer, yeah, yeah. and it's just like what he's so doing. Yeah, he's looking out, isn't he? And you can see his view through the <laughs> through the bushes. <laughs> he's dogging again. No. That's, um. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Because yeah, that's just making me think. Um, you know, when when Brosnan sees Q in uh, in Goldeneye, he's like, what, "What's when you know when he has the uh, the on the leg the." Uh, Oh, they, yeah. What, what what does Brosnan say to Q? Sorry about the leg, Q. Um, but then he what's the question? He says oh, something, and then Q goes hunting. Yeah. yeah. yeah it, all I can think of now is Q going. <laughs> 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 oh, then the gun shoots out. Desmond Llewellyn's good name is. Well, I admit, Q, it's a, raw into this. It's a bit kinky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> You see it, the first image I think of it almost is one of the most serious characters in the film, Locke, walking with a briefcase to this music. <laughs> that's that's my yeah. vision of this song. He doesn't look happy to be there at all. He's sat in that chair, he's just like, what is this? Yeah. Which I do think is really funny, you know, it's kind of like Vargas-esque yeah, yeah. a little bit. Yes, yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. But then I'm also like, how come he is staying there? Like, if he's just passed... Gonzalez the money. He was just chilling there, and I'm like, "What are you doing here? What? What is? Um, 
you here for a drink to I, d- I don't know it's very weird I mean but obviously he needs to be there because he needs to be really re- you need to see that he's a villain because he takes that money off that off that woman mm. who you know just terrible it's a relatively new scene to this franchise would you say at this point in terms of uh, what seemed to be like um, the baddies enjoying a really sort of modern party mm. what would have been a, a contemporary like not not you know compared to like Spectre meeting you know in dark yeah. places and stuff like a, an actual pool party where mm. buddies are hanging out it's, all, it's almost like sort of like Beverly Hills Cop yeah, it, is, yeah, it feels yeah. more like a, you know one of those kind of yeah. um, group of villains so. you link it with the, the living daylights you know Necros pushing girls into pools yes. and all this yeah. oh more, yeah yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> it, it gives the aspirational idea of a villain yeah, lifestyle yeah. Um, I've just realised Sam Sam, if you could somehow edit Roger Moore arriving at Chumi's place, but with this music <laughs> and oh, yeah. getting his third nipple out, then we're, I think then we're really onto something. Oh, well, I just I just remembered I did that I did that uh, video, didn't I? Of um, when you did the um, interview and you were saying about uh, in Moonraker where you changed the music yes. to um, and I changed it to Martin yeah. Gay. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, we can we can definitely do uh, something. Another with request that. for you there. It's, it does link with what we were saying a little bit about Bill Conti's score in terms of dated, if you know what I mean. It's it's very much of the time, that music. But, you know, I'm always trying to bring things around to Christopher Nolan and I talk about him a lot. But he he once said, I don't know what, how it came up in an interview, but he said in, in his films, like... He would he would not he'd never really choose to put a song from that era in his film because it would place the film in time kind of um, which I've always kind of understood and I agree with for the Bond franchise just for me personally it's so, I love seeing James Bond in this 80s era I love being able to place him in that time and I think it really works you know that I think that's the beauty of having this big sprawling franchise you get to see Bond in different eras it's so good seeing yeah, James true. Bond at an 80s pool party and, and yeah. we we always get to see that now it's recorded it's documented in For Your Eyes Only you know you've got footage of it it's incredible <laughs> yeah. it's just what you want to see cast party it's, yeah. it's everything dating, you want dating, that party to be yeah yeah uh, oh. dating a film is fine as long as as, lo- <laughs> as long as the music's good Yes, as long, yeah, as, long yeah. as the music's good, it doesn't matter if it's dated. You know, for me, within these like films within like the late seventies and the eighties, you know, there is that thing of, oh, we're going to get all those beautiful women together. So you've had, you know, Moonraker, all Drax's, you know, the the women who are going to space. You've got this. You've got Octopus's uh, troop. You've got Living Daylights, as you said. So there is that kind of and uh, License to Kill, the Casino. There is, you know, that sort of thing. And I think, I think that probably dates it. <clears throat> excuse me, a bit more. Um, mm. in, in some cases because you just wouldn't have no. that that seems very of the time you know there's, there's bits of that thrown in throughout the franchise before you know and you've, you've got the women in you want, you want to live twice and obviously uh, the angels of death too I feel like this is just more it's not really here for you know plot purposes it's really just being like oh here's the villains you know being a bit sleazy they've got a, a group of Young, attractive women to chill with. Yeah, it helps Melina stand out a bit, though. I think as well. Oh yeah. In, in, in certain point, yeah. I thought about that. I think that's what makes her entrance even more striking. Yeah. Even though, even though she's already appeared, you go from that to see a woman holding a crossbow. Yeah, with and her then face. To, and then, to, yeah, and then yeah. taking off the hat. I think that is. Yeah. Different. Yeah. Class. Yeah. 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 And the music. I mean, I mean, it just gives a it gives a bit of character to Gonzalez yeah. though as well. I mean, like yeah. one assassin I, I can remember previously is is Scaramanga. 
Now, Scaramanga's a loner. Scaramanga has all the money in the world, but he lives on an island with Nitnat and Miss Anders, and no one knows him. And this is completely contrast. This is a, an assassin who isn't particularly very clever, and he wants to show off his money. Yeah. He wants to have all the yeah. ladies round. It's just giving a bit of character development, yeah. and I think it's perfectly in keeping with what they're trying to say, because that is Gonzalez. At the end of the day, he's a middleman. Yeah, it yeah. sets him out. Thought, second he's not, level, but he's not a mastermind by any stretch. You know, he's not the main bad. Really, they really didn't need to do it either. They really didn't need to do it. They they give him a bit more time than I thought they would have. You know, the fact yeah. that he is killed so quickly. He's he's not in much of the film at all yet. I feel we get more of a sense of him than a lot of some of the characters who have mm. more time in the in yeah. The film. And, and like you mentioned, Locke being there at the party, I think that helps lock you know he's above he's yeah. above all this and he he lock wouldn't get look lock wouldn't get caught at a pool party and killed so easily do you know what i mean no it's like different different classes of criminal aren't they you, you're right though dude for someone who's not in it that much and he doesn't have many lines he is well established like just from the mm. look when he he turns to shoot down the parents the his eyes change it's so good isn't it yes so well directed yeah, John Glenn. I'm going to say this now. I don't know if it's because I've just listened to it a lot more over the last couple of weeks. I actually think it's a better constructive and more adventurous song than mm. For Your Eyes Only. Musically, <laughs> not lyrically. Musically. Yeah, yeah. I'm, not, I'm, I'm not on about the lyrics. The lyrics are a different thing altogether, you know. I think how it's constructed and stuff, I think it's a better composed song. There's more to it. Yeah, yeah. 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 And... The ver- the verses compared with the choruses as well are pretty different in terms of the v- choruses are massive. Compared to on the terraces, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dubstep remix. And I think because the the ending of the song is is different from the rest of it as well. Yeah. You know, just before it just before it, you know, fades out, you have yeah. that you know, when it when it does go easy baby, it's like <laughs> It's kind of like what we mentioned about. <laughs> Sorry. It's kind of like when we mentioned about the um, the Fiori's only instrumental, where it seems like there's an extended version where it kind of like goes up a bit. That kind of happens here. And it's guitar solo. Yeah. And it's yeah. Oh, yeah. some guitar solo as well. Yeah. <laughs> so good. So we do we like the song? I don't skip it when I listen to the song. No, soundtrack. never. So, um, I feel so unbelievably cool when it comes on. If I'm listening to that <laughs> in the car, or if I'm walking along listening to that. I feel like a million dollars. I love it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm I love it. Man. I yeah. feel like a crumpled up fiver when I uh, listen to this song. But I mean, <laughs> if you, but I mean that's still fine. That's still absolutely yeah, fine. I don't feel ex- I don't feel expensive. <laughs> you don't feel expensive. <laughs> Trash. No. Uh, it, no, but it, it is. It is meant to be that sort of. I don't know. This sort of thing probably does go on. There's a modern equivalent of these sort of annoying rich kids just. You know, spending the parents' money and mm. dicking about the pool, and mm. it's it is that yeah. sort. It's trying to exude yeah. that, but that they probably sort. wouldn't go for that these days because they probably they wouldn't like. It'd be a bit worried if they showed exploiting women. I think they'd be worried about sort of showing that now. But I think it is that eighties excess, I mean, isn't it? Also, it captures it perfectly. Mm. Absolutely. But you know, obviously, he's made his money from yeah you know, killing people, and we've we've just seen two. You know, two people be gone down. Then you know, if you juxtapose that with with this, yeah. where it's all, you know, laughter and <laughs> and partying, then I, I think I think in a in a way, I don't know whether it was the full intent, but obviously, 
for, for me it's, it makes it seem oh we, we want this person to be apprehended mm. because he's living a lifestyle like this when he's created such a he's turned Molina's world upside down yeah. but the death is still so impactful isn't it but doesn't it pretty shocking for a Bond film yeah, yeah. and doesn't it re- and doesn't that add weight to the revenge story of Molina that the injustice that a guy who's just absolutely hammered his parents to death yeah he could yeah and yeah. is now living yeah. this excessive life and it's like a thinks nothing of it um, yeah. and it kind of highlights you know it adds more to it that the fact she fires an arrow in in uh, as a revenge as opposed to him just sitting down on his own it shows that he's like kind of being boastful showing off what he's done not having any kind of remorse and then bang he's gone I mean it's I just think it's symbolic that she shoots him in the back as well whereas because he the parents saw him coming she saw him about to kill they knew they were going to die didn't they I don't know whether that's done deliberately mm. symbolically yeah, I'm not sure, I'm not sure about the, the revenge plot in general because I don't I don't particularly like the fact that Bond keeps kind of like trying to not let her do it but at the same time if I look at it from a different angle that you know in the world of Bond is saying you know you need two kills to become a double O and so she's already done what had one kill so if you say I, I know that you know, <laughs> so if she got that second kill of Chris, she's a double O Chris Atos, yeah. then it's good no, no, interesting no, though I'm not thought about that like, <laughs> You go, you that nice dovetail. No, but that that's that, no, but not that she would become a double yeah. O, but that's <laughs> you know, Bond, Bond, need, Bond, Bond needed killer. those yeah. two kills to be, become a double O agent. Yeah, if mm. she does it twice, then maybe that's what makes yeah. that turns her. The first one, mm. you know, fine, but the second one, not that I'm justifying murder at all, <laughs> but I'm, 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 try, I'm trying to think in the sense of what the filmmakers were trying to do because I. I I just feel a bit off about the whole revenge plot in general, in, in more so in, in Bond's response to her. Well, it is one of my criticisms of the film, Sam. I agree with that. I think it's misguided in terms of that the first scene is about showing the revenge of Blofeld for Tracy's death with dropping down, you know, keep your hair on, all that. And then, mm. but then Roger does seem to go on this character discovery where all of a sudden he's telling Melina. <laughs> To not to not dish that out. Happened years ago. That seems so I do, years I do... John. It's just a mini mission at the beginning. There's nothing to do with it. <laughs> so I, I I do think the revenge plot needed some more consistency. What do you think of the revenge plot but in yeah, License to Kill then, yeah. Sam? Because a lot of people get killed in that. Um, I'm, I'm I'm mostly fine with that. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I think because I I like I I like Felix and I really like Della as well. That oh yeah that I don't I, I and I think the majority of the villains do such a good job of being villains and I, I think I think when villains aren't threatening or that imposing or, that, or just have a presence in general that's when there's a problem that's why I'm not I don't rank Chris Statos so highly even though uh, Julian Glover is an amazing actor um, I just think again he could have been given something a bit better but no I, I've, I think the, the whole journey of License to Kill is great. I, I don't have any issues um, with that. You've passed your test. It was a test I just put in there. <laughs> <laughs> really That's all for part one of our fifth volume into the James Bond songbook. But join us for part two, where we discuss two of the video game songs from Nightfire and Everything or Nothing.
up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.